Welcome to The Vine, a plant media project podcast with your hosts, Elizabeth Shelvin and Gina Vensel. And today we have Debbie Turgai, the Executive Director of Americans for Safe Access, a medical cannabis patient advocacy nonprofit that works in all aspects of the organization, including education, policy, research, and consumer safety. Hi, Debbie. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me on. Oh, we're so happy to have you. (laughs) I'm excited to see you. Even though we're to have you in different areas, it's great to see you on the computer. (laughs) Absolutely. And and we're just going to go ahead and dive right in. We want to know what made you an advocate for medical cannabis. Sure. Well, first of all, I just want to say I love that we we work in this industry where everyone always asks, what is your story? How did you get into this industry? Like what other industry does that? Right. I just. Right. um, And I love hearing everyone's story. It's one of my favorite aspects of the job is to hear everyone's personal stories. Um, For me, um, you know, I'm not a patient. I'm not a caregiver. Um, I kind of just fell into this job um, because I always believed that cannabis was medicine. And when I did become the executive director of ASA, I was a little concerned because I'm not a patient. And I thought, how can I not be a patient and lead this patient advocacy group? But I think what's important to know is you don't have to be a patient to advocate for cannabis. You don't have to be a patient to know that it works. You don't have to be a patient to care about an issue that is affecting millions of people across the country and in the world. So, um, you know, I started this job just as a temporary job to kind of uh, go in between um, another job I was going for. But soon after I started working for ASA, we had our National Medical Cannabis um, Unity Conference. And there I was surrounded by dozens of patients and just hearing their stories, hearing how much ASA meant to them, hearing everything that they've gone to, gone through. I just, I fell in love with uh, doing advocacy and it's hard because you hear a lot of hard stories sometimes and I get a lot of calls um, that make me cry, but just helping people is just an amazing feeling. And so I do it because I want to help people. That's such a great reason. I'm so glad that you brought that up too, because so many people feel that in order to be advocates, that they have to be patients themselves. And here we are having you, the executive director of this massive organization that's doing so much good for patients nationwide. And it's just that's such a special message, I feel, to, for folks to know that you don't have to be a patient yourself to truly be an advocate for the industry. And I appreciate that. That's something I didn't know about you. Uh, (laughs) So can you tell us a little bit about your state of the state's report? So, yes, every year ASA um, creates a state of the state's report where we grade every single medical cannabis um, program on how they are best providing access for patients. When we started the report several years ago, there was only about... um, I think 22 states uh, had medical cannabis programs. Now we are analyzing 47 states and jurisdictions that all have some form of a medical cannabis program. Some of these states have low, uh, you know, just CBD and low THC, but um, those all, most of those states get Fs. (laughs) (laughs) But um, 
But yeah, we're analyzing all these states on about 80 different metrics um, and seeing, you know, how these programs are helping patients. Because what we're finding is although there are so many states that have programs, um, a lot of them are still leaving out a large portion of the population. Um, Some states have condition-specific lists that you have to have a certain condition Some states have very low uh, purchase limits. You know, when you're a patient and you really need this medicine, sometimes you need really high doses. So um, there's so many different restrictions within the states that don't allow people to access this medicine. And that's really what this report kind of highlights is the differences between the states, the inequality between the states and the access for patients. And um, so we're just finishing it up this year. We are going to release it on um, Thursday, September, I think it's September 10th during the National Cannabis Policy Summit this year. So we're really excited about um, releasing the report. I can't wait to see how Pennsylvania does. Yeah. Pretty good. Is that where you're from? Yeah, yeah I'm from Pennsylvania, and then with Elizabeth being in Maryland, you know, we're we're really uh, we'll see which which state fares better on the on the report. And it, it's good to look at it as a comparative mm-hmm. uh, level. We have a lot of patients, funnily enough, that actually complain that their state got too high of a score, and they will tell us, you know, they're, they'll share with us all their problems. And what I say to them is, you know, there is a matrix of how we score, look at the matrix, look how it was scored, and then look at other states. And if you compare your state to other states, a lot of times your state is doing a lot better than a lot of other states. Um, So, yeah, it is a really uh, interesting and fun report to look at. And we also send it to every single state legislator, make sure that they see it, Um, regulators, um, and it's not just a report to say this is how states are doing. It's also a report to show how to improve the program. So every single report card has an improvement section and we tell the states exactly how you can improve your program. The one other thing I just wanted to that uh, you made me think of is you also do a program where you tell people who is pro cannabis in their state, uh, in their government and their state government. And, um, we didn't have that question in there necessarily, but now that you're bringing it up, I'm like, okay, I like that guideline. I can go down and see. Yes, yeah, so it's called it's called Vote Medical Marijuana, and we're going to um, start working on it in September. It should be up late September, early October, in which we also grade every single state legislator and federal uh, policymaker on how they have, um, on what kind of cannabis legislation they've signed on. So a lot of politicians will tweet about uh, medical cannabis or tweet about cannabis. They'll they'll talk about it in their platform. But if they don't actually sign on to some legislation, that doesn't mean anything. That's so right. it is actually shows all the legislation and what your uh, legislator has signed on to. Well, that's fantastic. And you said that that'll be an initiative in September. We can keep a lookout for that. And then your report, when it comes out in September 10th, you mentioned that it was going to be a part of a a summit. What was the name of that one more time? The National Cannabis Policy Summit. It happens every year. Um, Usually it happens in April um, in person, but this year they shifted it to a virtual event in September. 
Okay. And then in addition to if someone wasn't able to attend that event, where will people go to be able to find this report? Great question. Um, this report, as all of our reports, including last year's State of the States report, is available on our website, safeaccessnow.org. Free to download, free to share. Everything on our website is free for patients. We want you to use these resources. We want you to share them. So everything that we've ever done is, is free on our website for people to share. That is so fantastic. And to switch gear a little bit, I'd like to talk about social equity programs. Um, is ASA involved with any initiatives? And if so, what do they look like? That's a great question because for a lot of people, um, they think about social equity uh, as an industry problem. But it's not just an industry problem. It's a patient problem as well. Um, and a lot until insurance can cover medical cannabis, we're never, we're never going to be equal. We need insurance to cover cannabis. And so uh, we've been working with insurance companies for several years now, trying to get them to, um, to be able to do that. Right now, there's some programs that we work with that they will cover the medical cannabis card, or they will cover the appointment to the doctor, but the medicine is still um, up for the patient. And so I really feel like until everyone can afford this medicine, and that means insurance has to cover it, then there's always going to be these inequalities. Also, um, in regards to our State of the States report, we did a patient feedback survey uh, where we asked people about um, the diversity of their programs within their state. And 83% of them said that their state has not implemented the diversity programs that they set forth. So a lot of states are doing really, you know, they're trying. They are implementing these new, um, these new procedures into the application process to get a more diverse program, which I, I really commend them on. However, the follow through isn't really happening. Um, and so we're really trying to push legislators to make a, uh, to create a more diverse program and um, to make it a reality and not just something, again, that they say they're going to do, but they don't actually do. I think people, they have a hard time figuring it out, too, because it does take money to start up a business. So maybe ultimately we're going to partner corporations who come into this space with people, um, you know, that maybe don't have the money, but have the the will and, and the, they want to do it. You know, they want to be in this business that cannabis has hurt them in some way or someone in their family, or they have a love of it. It helped their grandmother, all of those stories. Right. Right. Exactly. We need the industry to step up a little and to realize that the whole reason why cannabis became illegal in the first place was from ignorance and, um, and, you know, uh, racial inequality. And, and so now we need uh, industry to step up and say, we need a more equal program. We need people that have been fighting for this for a long time, that have been incarcerated um, for years <laughs> for the slightest possession. It's, it's, it's unimaginable. We need the industry to step up and, and help us a little more to make this a more... Um, equal program across the country. So where does ASA stand on adult use? 
are well, you in, do you have a position? Is, is your program all about the medical side? Technically, we're neutral on adult use, but I will say if you're talking about legalization, we are very for legalization for adult use because we know that it'll bring greater access to patients. Um, we know that when an adult use program comes into a state where there's a medical program, there's a, a huge shift to the adult use market. And that's because in some states, it's more expensive to be a patient. Like I said, you have to pay for the doctor um, appointment because you have to have a doctor recommendation. You have to pay for the medical cannabis card. Uh, where the adult use, you just you don't have to do any of that. We need um, we need some tax benefits for patients. And we need insurance to cover it um, in order to really make the medical market the way it should be. Also, the adult use market really um, doesn't help the, one of the main populations that I think cannabis is, is really helpful for, and that's pediatric patients. So if you just think about it as an adult use market, you're totally ignoring the hundreds of thousands of pediatric patients that could benefit from this medicine. That is such a great point to think of it that way. Now, when we talk about insurance covering it, will that only happen then once it's descheduled from a Schedule One drug and legalized nationwide? Or is there the ability that from a medical state to a medical state that the insurance companies could potentially help even if full nationwide legalization takes more time? That's something that we've been looking at um, for a few years to see if there's some loopholes in the system. Um, unfortunately, insurance companies are just scared. And I think that it probably won't happen until legalization occurs. But we will continue to look for ways to help patients um, afford this medicine in any way possible until that happens. We're not going to stop fighting for insurance coverage until, until the medicine is covered. That's so great. I know that in the state of Pennsylvania, there was something written into the tax code that said that there would be money set aside for patients that can't afford their medicine. However, there's not been any plan yet on how that could be given to the patients. And I've just been so obsessed with this concept because I've seen so many and talked to so many people across the state that want to, you know, use this medicine to, you know, help them maybe with, you know, getting off opioids or something like that. And they're not able to, to really even afford it. And it's, it's so expensive. Mm -hmm. and, and if they could have the access to it. So I just, I really hope that, you know, like you said, some of the states are doing really great. They had great programs, but it's a lot of the implementation that's just taking a little bit more time. And I know that one aspect of Pennsylvania is something that matters to me so much to see. We've been seeing this great program, hundreds of thousands of patients. So you have to think there's a fund sitting there somewhere. And I'd love <laughs> to figure out how that can be given out to the patients that need it most. Well, that's no, that's a great point because a lot of uh, states do have those um, written into their uh, state regulations about these compassionate use programs um, that will help patients. Maryland as well just started one. But um, so there are some states that do have that, but they're taking their time to get them implemented for sure. There's a lot of loopholes that you have to go through uh, to get the medicine to the patient. Um, and even in California, we got offered 15,000 bottles of cannabis oil that they wanted to give us for free to give out, which of course we couldn't because it's unfortunately illegal. 
So uh, we looked for some um, some of our contacts in California, and it took months. I mean, sadly, months in order to get all that free oil to patients. It was really it was really frustrating. Um, it just seems like something you know, like a lot of these companies are. Yeah, they're overproducing. They have all this medicine. They have all of this that could go to patients that can't afford it. But the loopholes that you have to go through in order to make that happen are crazy and very restrictive. And so um, we're hoping that that'll change as well. But it sounds like it's really going to be up to many of us to talk with our legislators and to know who those folks are in our individual states in order to really make an impact because we can't necessarily wait for, you know, nationwide legalization. You know, if we can in our own communities really start to just pay attention to who who are we voting for? Where do they stand on these issues? So I think that what you're putting together is so important because it takes a lot of time for just as a voter to do the research necessary. You know, you go on their Twitter or their Facebook and you see that they sent a tweet about it, but how would me necessarily, I know that, you know, I see in, in that they're doing all this social media about it, but that might not mean that they're voting on it the way that we want them to. So I think that this is going to be a fantastic, very important um, initiative that you're doing so that everyone nationwide can, can go online and see where, where their legislators stand on, on cannabis. Thank you. Yes, I agree. And we haven't announced it yet, uh, hopefully in the next few weeks, but we, uh, ASA is partnering with an affordability program um, through another organization. And it's a national program, so patients can apply and um, uh, to have their medicine paid for. So we will be making that announcement in the next few weeks. Keep an eye out for it. We're really excited about it because this is something that's really important to us. And we've been looking for a partner um, for this program for a long time. And we finally found one and we're excited to get started on that. Oh, that so sounds that be access for everybody across the country to apply. Anyone can apply. Wow. Yeah. Very fantastic. So, um, what do you think, uh, do you have an opinion of what's coming down the pike federally or can you give us what your gut is for my gut doesn't feel so good, actually, when it comes to, you know, I don't know. I, I try to be positive, right? But we've, ACE has been around since 2002. And in 2002, we honestly thought it would just take a few years for legalization to occur. Wow. And now we are, we're 18 years later and it's still baby steps. And it seems like it's always two steps forward, one step back with the with cannabis industry. So I really try to remain positive, but we also are realistic and we know how hard it is for, um, for, for things to get passed. Um, and we're, so we're hopeful and we are going to keep advocating, but uh, realistically, I, I think it might take, I hate saying this, people always hate it when I say this, but I think it might take a, <laughs> a few more years. But we'll see. I mean, we're definitely hopeful and the louder our community can be and the more we contact our legislators, and not just legislators, but medical for professionals, uh, patient organizations. Um, we need to contact as many people as possible and have them, you know, voice their opinion on cannabis so that people know that this is what this country wants and deserves. So we were going to ask you, you know, yeah. sort of what's your call to action. So tell us, I mean, you have sort of outlined, but. Well, I love that you asked that question because 
So every month we send out a monthly newsletter. And at the end of the newsletter, we always have a call for action. We always have a action alert, something that you can do as a supporter. You don't have to be a patient, just as a supporter. And we make it really easy for people to, um, to show their support. So what we'll do is we, we create a letter. Uh, I think this last one is about the MORE Act. And all you have to do is sign up for our, new, our newsletter, free to sign up. <laughs> and um, all you do is click on the link and it will automatically, you have to put your zip code if we don't already have it in our system. And it will automatically create a letter already written with your legislator's address and names on it. And all you have to do is sign it. And you can also edit it if you want. If you want to put something personal in it, you can do that. Or you can just hit send and send as is. But we make it really easy for people to um, to reach their legislators because um, I know a lot of people don't know how to advocate. Uh, we also have an advocates training program on our website that is really helpful that teaches people, you know, how to advocate for cannabis, what to say, um, what to focus on. Uh, so, yeah, I think action is really important for us. Um, and we want to make sure that, uh, that we're helping people in the best way that we can. And I see here also that you have some memberships available as well, that, that folks can become a member, either BASEC, or I see you have student, senior and veterans memberships, and even compassionate and leadership memberships, all the way up to business memberships as well. Yes, uh, we really appreciate membership is how we thrive and how we survive. A lot of people ask me, uh, who's the millionaire behind ASA or, uh, you know, how much funding do you get? You would be shocked and surprised of how little funding we get from the industry. Less than 10% of our funding actually comes from the industry. The rest comes from patients. Patients who give as little as $35 a year to be a member. Membership is really what supports us. Um, we're really hoping that more businesses will join. The business membership has has uh, been booming this this year. We're really appreciative of those businesses that are joining, um, because you know we don't want patients to have to pay for this. We really don't. We want industry. If industry could support us a little bit more, uh, we wouldn't have to rely on patients. But uh, yeah, I appreciate you bringing it up. It's really easy to sign up, safeaccessnow.org slash membership. And, and as you mentioned, it's as little as $35 a year. And I think it's $25 for veterans um, and students. So um, we really appreciate anyone that will sign up for membership. And there are some it's only $500 for a business membership for annual. I mean, you think about so many businesses that's, that can support so many different, you know, different organizations, but really $500 for an entire year. When you think about how much money goes into special events and advertising and different forms of marketing, I mean, this is the best way to put your business in the forefront of assisting Americans for Safe Access. So I really encourage many of the business owners listening that they'll also um, take a look at this because I agree. I mean, the goal definitely is for the patients to be able to have access to this. So we want the industry to step up a little bit more and hopefully, you know, donate today and, and give in. And we just appreciate your time so much. I mean, we're doing so many wonderful things for our community and it, and it just matters 
to us to have this great, wonderful go-to resource because you really are providing so much information. And as the laws are constantly changing state to state, it is a lot to keep up with, even when you're an advocate and you're in the industry. So to have a resource um, like yours, it's just so fantastic for all of us. And we really do appreciate your time today. Thank you. I appreciate you guys having me and, and supporting our organization. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And if there's anything else you want to add, Elizabeth? No, I just really thank you so much, Debbie. You're one of the greatest in this industry. You're the first person I came to in this industry. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so I, I just appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Absolutely. And thanks to all of you for tuning in to The Vine, a plant media project podcast. Tune in next time and learn more about plant media at plantmediaproject.com.